are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Over the last two years, my marriage has gotten better. And the reason it's gotten better is because my wife insisted that we go to an EXO conference. I'm like, baby, how could our marriage be any better? She actually had some ideas. And I believe the reason my marriage is better is because we begin to make a little investment in our marriage. And so my goal is that every married couple or soon to be married couple in this church would not only come to this conference, but would invite another couple to come with them to the conference. It is really, really helpful. So I don't know where everybody is in the room in your journey through life, but let me just say that what I want to talk to you about today applies to everybody, regardless of where you are. So you might say, Rick, I'm a believer And I am a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ talking to you today. You may say, I'm a believer, but I wouldn't say that I'm a committed follower of Jesus. Just not where I am in my life. You may say, Rick, I don't know what I believe, okay? And and I certainly am not a committed follower of Jesus. Regardless of where you are in this journey, you're going to deal at some point with life's most basic questions. We all do. And I remember when I was in college, I first began to deal with these basic questions. It wasn't like I wanted an answer to the questions. It was like I have to have an answer to these questions. Finding an answer to these questions was as important to me as the air that I breathed. I had to know the answers. And so it's just kind of basic questions like, um, you know, who am I? So we're talking about identity. How did I get here? Where did I come from? What, what is my true identity? Or why am I here? And, and so it's, it's kind of this idea of surely I'm not on this earth for like a number of years just to exist and then one day I'm going to die. But is there an actual reason for my existence? Is there something I'm supposed to do while I'm here? Is there something I'm supposed to accomplish while I'm on this earth? Does life actually have meaning and significance? And then, like, where am I going? What's the path that I will choose? And where is that path going to lead me? What is my destiny? What is my ultimate future? So if somebody said to you, hey, you know those questions Rick was talking about today? Can you answer them? Do you have clear and concise answers to all those questions? What would you say? Because Jesus could answer them. He never balked on those questions. Jesus knew who he was. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I have come from the Father. And, and he seemed to know what his purpose was. I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. That's my purpose. That's why I'm here. And he seemed to know where he was going. I'm going to return to the Father one day. So, Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Jesus knew what his purpose was. Do you know what yours is? Jesus knew where he was going. Do you know where you're going? 
So those are the questions I want us to deal with. And so we'll just start today with the first. So we'll deal with identity. What is my true identity? How did I get here? Where did I come from? You know, who am I really? The, the, the struggle for me with the questions is they start with me. Who am I and what is my purpose and where am I going? But to answer the questions, you have to start with God. So I'm going to give you three, three words from Scripture. You ready? Here we go. God created mankind. Every person who has ever lived in the history of the world was created by God in His image. You might be saying, what do you mean? I'll tell you what I mean. Joseph Biden was created by God in His image. Donald Trump was created by God in His image. How are we doing so far? Billy Graham was created by God in His image. So was Adolf Hitler. We okay? Every person who has ever lived in the history of the world was created by God in God's image. You were created by God in His image. So my poor wife, Annette, has listened to sermons all of her life before they ever got preached, okay? I'm always like, hey, Net, here's what I'm thinking about for Sunday. Can I say this? And sometimes Annette says, no, you cannot say that in a sermon. Don't do that, okay? And sometimes she says, you can say that, yeah. But I was talking to her about this sermon. I was just kind of overwhelmed with this idea that everybody is created in God's image. And so we were traveling this past week and we were through airports and we were in situations where there were a lot of people of other nationalities and we would see somebody doing something really kind of goofy and Annette would nudge me and say, see that person? They were created in God's image, Rick. Yeah. Or we would see somebody doing something really gracious and kind and I would say, Annette, that person was created in God's image. Or we would see somebody who was very, very, very different from either of us, and we would look at each other and say, that person was created in God's image. And so when, when, when you look up here, you see this masterpiece standing before you? <laughs> God did this right here. This is His handiwork, right? I'm a thinking I am a spiritual, I am a moral, I am an intellectual being. I have emotions and feelings and gifts for creativity and imagination. I have the capacity of relationships. I can feel, I can taste, I can touch, I can see. I can walk at the speed of about three miles an hour. God did all of this. And so when you get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, let me just give you these words. And I want you to soak them in because I say this every time I'm at a graveside as a pastor. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And one day to this dust... We're going to return. 
Let, let, let me take you back a few verses to Genesis chapter 1, okay? Verse 27. Then God said, let us. Who is us? The Holy Trinity. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus was with God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, they have always been. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. What, what does that mean, image and likeness of God? Well, they have the capacity to rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that moves along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image, in His likeness. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. The psalmist adds to that. The Lord is God. It is He who made us. So I don't know how many of you have studied philosophy. But in the 17th century, there was a Danish theologian and philosopher whose name is Soren Kierkegaard. And I think he expressed in his words what a lot of us think and feel. He said this, Where am I? Who am I? How did I come to be here? What is this thing called the world? And how did I come into the world? And why was I not consulted? (laughs) And if I am compelled to take part in it, where is the director? I want to see him. I I have the same feeling sometimes. How did I get here? And what is this thing called the world? And what what is my role in it? And why didn't anybody talk to me about it to begin with? We have a couple of daughters, as you know. Morgan is our youngest daughter. And when she was a little girl, I remember one time we were sitting on the couch on a Saturday afternoon. I'm watching golf. We're waiting for Brittany and Annette to get ready. We're headed out somewhere. But she's sitting on the couch with me, not too interested in golf. And as I'm sitting there, kind of like this, I look over at her because she's staring at me, not the television. I go, what? And she just smiled. And, and then, you know, I go back to the television. And in a minute, I feel her eyes on me again. I said, Morgan, what are you doing? And she just wouldn't say, just smiled. She thought it was very funny. The third time, I feel her eyes on me. I said, Morgan, what? What are you doing? What? What? What is it? And she just smiled. And I realized that her legs were crossed like mine, and her hands were crossed like mine on her legs, and she was imitating me. And I thought it was kind of cute. She was imaging me. And I kind of like it when my girls copy me. However, I will admit to you, That there have been times in my life when my girls were doing something and I wasn't proud of what they were doing. But I will admit to you, they had seen their mother do it. (laughs) Marriage is better than it has been in two years. Have you ever heard anybody say, in Kentucky they would say it with a little bit of a southern sling, as long as you're living, your daddy will never die. 
And what they meant by that was that you kind of look like and act like your daddy. Or, or you're just like your mother. And what they were saying was that you kind of image your, your parents. I, I go home now and we see all of my family when I go home back to Kentucky. And my nieces and nephews say to me, Ricky, it is so weird being with you because you look just like Poppy. It's like we're talking to him kind of. And I do, I look a lot like my dad. And so when, when the writer uses this language, God created man in his image, in his likeness, it's, it's, a, it's a form of literature that's called parallelism, okay? So if I said to you, um, I don't feel well today, I feel horrible, that's parallelism. It's when, it's when the, the last sentence basically restates the first sentence, and so that's what's happening here. The, the idea of being made in God's image or God's likeness, it's saying the same thing again. It's not two different ideas. Both simply mean that God made us like himself. Now, in what way did God make us like himself? So, you know, God is, is capable of relationships. So are we. God has wisdom. So do we. God can reason, so can we. Uh, God uh, can imagine, so can we. God can bless others, so can we. It's, it's kind of like if you had somebody who made a sculpture of, of you, you know? It's supposed to resemble you, right? To look like you. Or, or it's like when you look in a mirror. What do you see in the mirror? Well, it's an image. It's not really you on the other side of the glass. It's not another you. It's not a duplicate. And so when we are like God, it doesn't mean we are duplicates of God, but we image God. And so when I look in the mirror, I realize that there's really nobody over there. It's just a reflection. It's an image of me. And so we are in the image of God. We're not a duplicate of God, but we are like God in many ways. We are a semblance of God, but not, but not having His fullness. Make sense? So, when you think about that, you realize that this idea of image or likeness kind of can be broken in a few categories to help our understanding. We are a spiritual being you realize there's only one thing that's going to live forever in this world? You know what it is? Your soul. We can relate to God. We are spiritual. We are also moral. We have the capability of knowing right from wrong and making moral decisions and choices, right? We are moral beings, but we are also intellectual beings. We have the ability to reason, to think. And so in those ways, we are like God. The psalmist finally one day just says, whoa, think about this. God, what, what is a man that you are even mindful of him? Because, I mean, think about this. You have made him just a little, barely, just a little bit lower than the angels. Look how magnificent a human being is. I mean, think about it. You made him in such a way that he's like you. 
And he is just barely, just a little bit lower than an angel. C.S. Lewis said in a sermon one day that with the exception of the blessed sacrament, he said the holiest, the holiest object presented to your senses is your neighbor. So go ahead, just look at your neighbor right now. Just look over there. Make eye contact if you can. See, as Lewis said, besides the blessed sacrament, your neighbor is the holiest object that will ever be presented to your senses. So when you see a human being walking towards you, do you see that human being as God's best creative handiwork, the crown of His creation? Here's why. Only in knowing where we came from can we truly understand ourselves. Only when we really understand where we came from can we truly understand ourselves. What do you do 12 12 times every minute? What do you do 12 times every minute? What is it? What do you do? Some of you say, well, I do a lot of things 12 times every minute. Scratch my nose. What do you do 12 times every minute? You breathe. Some of you pull out your phones. You're setting your timers right now. And you're... <laughs> I did it. I confess. You know how many times I breathe? About 12 times a minute. 720 times an hour. Over 6 million times a year. Do it with me right now. Just on three. Take a good deep breath. One, two, three. So here's what the psalmist says. With your hands you formed me, O God. You made me. Now, get this picture in your mind, okay? God, from the dust of the ground, forms a human being. You ready for this? And laying before God is this human body. Life-size. You with me? You follow me? Life-like, right here, laying, but lifeless. And then the God who created the human got over that human body and breathed his own breath into it. And the human race began. And every time we, we acknowledge God. Every time we take a breath, we acknowledge God. Six million plus times a year. So when the Apostle Paul was in Athens, and he meets with a group of philosophers trying to understand what they can understand about life, who am I, and why I'm here, where am I going, 
In Acts 17, here's what he says. And this makes it much more personal for you and for me. From one man, he made all the nations. From one man, he made you, okay? That they should inhabit the whole earth. Now listen to this. And he marked out their appointed times. Think about this. Not only did God create you in his likeness and in his image, but he decided what time in history you would live. He decided you're going to be alive right now. Okay? It goes on. And the boundaries of their lands. Not only did God create you in his likeness, in his image, and decided that you're going to live right now, but he decided where you're going to live. There's a reason why you don't live in Africa. Because God decided you would live here. Keep reading. God did this so they would seek him, perhaps reach out for him, and find him, though he is not far from many of us, for in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. As some of your poets have written, he says to the people in Athens, we are his, we are God's offspring. So do you understand that God created you in his image, in his likeness, so that you would come into a relationship with him and know him intimately? So I want to say two things, and I'll be brief. I won't take forever with these two things, okay? Number one, you don't choose your identity. Nobody does. You are an intellectual, spiritual, moral being who is created by God in His likeness to know Him. That's it. You don't choose your identity. This is your identity. Number two, you can't change your identity. You can dye your hair, you can get a great tan. It doesn't change your identity. And so where does that leave me? Well, it leaves us here. You don't choose your identity. You only choose whether or not you will live from it. You only choose whether or not you will lean into it. Do you know that there are people who have spent their entire lives trying to be somebody else than the person they were created to be? They have just spent their whole lives just pulling against, you know, I'm just trying to be somebody else, trying not to be me, <laughs> trying not to be myself. People have spent a lifetime trying not to be them. You might remember this story in the Bible, it's repeated in the Gospels, where some people come to Jesus one day, the Pharisees. And uh, they say, hey, um, it was really a trap, but they try to butter him. We know you're a man of integrity, Jesus. We know, Jesus, that you teach the truth of God. 
And we know that you cannot be swayed by others. You're your own man. So tell us about this imperial tax that the Romans don't have to pay, but we do. Is it right for us to pay this tax? And Jesus said, why are you trying to trap me? Give me the coin with which you pay the tax. And so they flip him a denarius. And he says, whose inscription is on the coin? And they say, Caesar. And he flips the coin back and he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then he says, give to God what is God's. What bears the image of God? You. Me. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, says that one and only one way to bear God's image in the world is to be human. We bear His image. And Jesus says, then give yourself to God. And give the coin to Caesar. So I'll I'll wrap up. I remember the first time I really began to deal with these questions in a way that I could not let them buy me. I was in college. And I began to ask this question. I, I, I don't feel like I quite know who I am. I don't quite understand my identity. And it was tormenting me. And it wasn't like I wanted an answer. It was like I had to have an answer. I was dying inside. I would talk to anybody who would talk to me about it. I would pray about it. I would read anything I could find to read about it. And I was just living with this. You know, I I know that I'm Ricky. I know that Kendall and Cecil are my parents. I know how tall I am and all of those things. But that's, that's not what I'm going for. There's something... There's something way deeper. i got to know who I am. And so I remember one morning in my dorm room, my roommate had left, and I was, I was praying before I headed off to class. And I was struggling in my spirit. And I remember I was saying, Lord, I just want to know who I am. And, and growing up in a small Kentucky town, we used to sing these hymns together in church and all of a sudden the words of a hymn just filled my mind and here's what I said to God and and I began to cry and it was like one of the best moments I think me and God have ever had together and I remember just on my knees at my little bunk in my dorm room and I said oh my goodness I think I I think I know and I quoted the words to an old hymn I am thine O Lord I've heard your voice. It told your love to me, how I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. I am thine. And I remember just weeping and crying and just kind of falling over my bed and crying and just thinking, I think I've got it. God, I'm yours. That's who I am. I don't know that I need any more than that. I'm just yours. I am yours, God. That's who I am. I was created in your image and your likeness, a moral, spiritual, intellectual being to know you and love you and serve you. That's who I am. And I just lived into my identity. 
and decided I wasn't ever going to try to be somebody else. I, I, I think this morning the response, that's where we are maybe for a believer. It's like, yeah, it's a recommitment. It's, a, it's kind of a regrasping that. It's kind of this solidifying, yeah, I love this. I'm, I'm God's. And I think for others maybe it's, it's a moment of question of saying, ah, Rick, I feel like I've been trying to be somebody else my whole life. I feel like my whole life I've tried not to be me. And it's just not working for me. And I want to live from the identity that is truly mine. Would you want to stand with me this morning? So, one of the things that I love about our church is that we have altars here. You might say, what do they mean? They simply mean that it's a place to pray. doesn't mean that you become a member if you come and kneel at an altar to pray. It just means that, man, it feels like in these last few minutes, God's been talking to me, and I got some things I think I want to say to God. And so that's really what praying is. That's really what the altars are about. Mm. I feel like God's kind of talking to me today. And, and I've got some things that maybe I want to say to God. And maybe there's more that God wants to say to me. So I think I want to go down there and pray. So it may be that these last few minutes, that's where you are. Boy, I feel like God's talking to me. And I think I want to say some things to God. And maybe God has more to say to me. And so if that's where you are this morning, I invite you to pray. It, it, it could be that you've walked in the room and you've said, Hey, I you know, wanted to engage more in the sermon, but I've got something on my mind. It's pretty heavy. I'm dealing with some stuff. And I want to come and pray about that stuff that's so heavy on my mind. It, it may be that you need God's touch on your body physically and you want to come and ask for that. He gives you permission to do so. Or it may be that you love somebody who needs God's touch and you want to pray for them, or maybe somebody's life is not in a good place and you want to pray for them. Maybe you want to pray for your kids. Whatever it is. I just felt like today would be a great day to say, we're not really in a hurry to rush out, are we? And we're going to sing anyway. And so as we sing, if you kind of feel like, I kind of want to pray, then I would encourage you, urge you, well, then come and pray. Just come and spend a few minutes before you go talking to God about what's going on in here. Let's sing together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.